Blog Talk Radio. Blog Talk Radio. And is all about wine. The talk show dedicated to the wine industry since 2009. Wine maker, cellar master, vineyardist, and tasting expert, Ron. Basically, what we're trying to do on this program is just trying to educate people and trying to make wine less confusing and more friendly. From coast to coast and around the world. You know, we really have had some, some neat people on the program. I, I just, I love that. Post your questions and comments during the live show on our Facebook page at www.facebook.com forward slash all about wine BTL. Again, that's www.facebook.com forward slash all about wine BTR. And now, all about wine is on. Here's Ron. In stereo, we're available. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. My, my countdown was exactly. Really? I just have to point. Yeah, exactly. I, I just very unusual, but exactly. Uh, countdown was on. So. Mm. Uh, well, we are here. That never we're happens. That's why I'm so excited. About <laughs> Special yeah. applause for that. We're on time. We are. Yeah. Chatting, chatting on our Blog Talk Radio uh, page. If you're on uh, Blog Talk Radio, you can go to oh, well, you can go to blogtalkradio.com forward slash all about wine and uh, look at that live episode. There's a chat box there. You can chat with us there, ask your questions, comments, or whatever. Or go to our Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash all about wine BTR. Be sure to add the BTR on that and uh, look for the live episode there and chat with us there. So either way, we'll get to it. And uh, that's on you. <laughs> I don't know what else to tell you. <laughs> you, can, you can join us anyway, or you can listen to us on archives next week. So, absolutely. But if you're listening on here, may say that, then it won't be next week. It'll be right now when you listen to it because it will already have been next week. Oh well, okay. I'm getting myself confused. So again, welcome to the show. We are. O two two O two O two O. Yeah, that's a um, what they call it? Not a palindrome. Palindrome? Oh, I forgot what they call that. Palindrome, but it's not really a palindrome because it's O two two O two O two O. O two. So. Oh yeah, it would be. <laughs> yeah. That totally messes. There was a. Yeah, no, no, feel bad. There was a palindrome. <laughs> Well, it was the first of this month or something that was perfect. Next one won't occur until 30, 30, 30 or something like that. I don't know. but uh, The second of February. Yeah, I remember. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. yeah, I think that that was Groundhog Day. That's the day it was. It was Groundhog Day that was okay. uh, yeah. 0202, which was good both ways, Yeah. <laughs> Even in Europe, who puts their dates first? And either way, it was o two o two o two two o two o. Yeah. So, oh well. I remember many, many, many years ago when I lived in California. My father came out to visit me, and he was watching. We were out on driving 
actually headed to a winery, I remember. And he goes, stop, stop, pull over. So I pulled him to the side of the road, and he's sitting there looking at his watch. And he said, right now. And I go, right now what? He said, it is now 123, and the, the numbers were sequenced up with the time, the day, or the date, the day, and the year. So everything was just one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, just right in a row. And uh, hmm. I just, he said, there, he says, won't see that again. And unless, yep. you know, it's like 100 years from now. But uh, I thought, wow, that's cool. I remember that. That's, you know, one thing my dad was. I remember from him. So just to show that quick story, we got things to talk about tonight. Lots of, lots of odds and ends. Uh, let's see what nothing important. Ash Wednesday coming up next Wednesday. Uh, start Ash Wednesday starts Lent, I believe, doesn't it? Yeah. So that's coming up next Wednesday and uh, nothing else coming up for the week. Uh, Christmas Day last week. Uh, no, that's it. So, Ash Wednesday, Wednesday. Otherwise, it's just one of those everybody work every day type seasons here with no holidays or anything coming up. Got some stuff to talk about here. Let me pull up the first one. I'll jump right into it. And... Uh, there you go. Okay. This is Australia. And, and then I thought this was interesting. Australia's had all those fires and everything. And this article is about Australia not having a vintage this year, uh, 2020. They are six months in front of us. So their vintage is now, basically, because as we go into spring and start doing stuff, they are ending their season and uh, not quite winter down there. It's not quite spring yet here, not quite fall there, but they're ending it. But the entire crop of 2020 has been lost in parts of Hunter Valley and Adelaide Valley, uh, Adelaide Hills wine regions. And the growers only picking a fraction of their fruit. A Avian Sparks, who is uh, at Hunter Valley Winery, says it was full-on smoke. This is all through November, December. A clear day would still be hazy, and the worst days, the eyes would sting, and they'd be coughing. You had to stay inside with the air conditioning and everything closed, shut up. Uh, the winery didn't suffer any smoke or fire damage, but they were covered with a blanket of smoke, and that created smoke taint on their uh, grapes. The uh, was the smoke taint is forcing growers to confront the possibility that the entire year's harvest will be dumped, with some vineyards choosing not to produce a 2020 vineyard our 2020 vintage at all. You know, you go, oh, wow. If 
you work all year for something and you don't have a vintage, that's that's tough. The smoke, and I've talked about smoke tank before. Let's do a quick review. The smoke binds to the skin of the grapes. It doesn't get into it. it and then when you process it, that's when you start getting the smell and, and taste and all this from the smoke. But it doesn't show up until after the you went through the whole thing of processing and making the wine. And then you taste it and you go, oh, no, this got smoke tank. There are new methods to test it, but not 100%. They're saying that it wasn't uh, as bad as 2009. But this is the first year that they say, quote, pull the pin on a vintage. And they said it's been 20 odd years uh, that this guy, uh, uh, Sparks, has been doing this. And in those 20 years, he's never lost a vintage. On January 14th, the winery that ordinarily produces 30,000 cases of wine in a year decided not to risk it and scrapped its 2020 vintage entirely. And that's big. That's really Mount Pleasant wasn't alone. While vineyards further away from the fires escaped the worst, they were also uh, having problems. The Tyrell, Tyrell's wines is famine operated in Hunter Valley since 1858. Ordinarily produces 1,200 tons of grapes, but this year lost 80% of their crop. And again, to smoke taint. They didn't have any immediate fire. There's smoke hanging around, they said. Um, Mr. Tyrell said that he does not want to take a chance and have a sommelier in a restaurant in New York open a bottle of theirs years in advance and find out that it has smoke taint, which could devastate the, the family name. He said he's been there for 160 years and I see the family continue to be there for 160 years. So they are well, scrapping the crop. Brokenwood Wines, Miria uh, Park Wines and Davis Wine Group have all made similar decisions about their harvest with uh, a lot of it being left unpicked are not even worried about going out and pulling it in because it's just not worth it. Christina Tulock of Tulock Wines is also president of the Hunter Valley Wine and Tourism Association and says that the full economic impact has not really been felt, but so far they've figured that $42 million has been lost to tourism because of the fires in the Hunter Valley. And we've got a ways to go. Uh, economic loss is based purely on visitation, and that's it. Uh, hearing reports of between 50 and 90% of crop loss due to smoke taint. Most likely, they're saying that it's around 80 to 90% in overall reduction to tonnage because of smoke taint. They're uh, not going to, 2020 is being heavily impact in Australia because of the, the fires. We figure, oh, it's over, it's done, and it's, the wineries survive. They haven't because of this. 
out of 64 wine producing regions, which make up $6.25 billion industry, 1% has been affected by fires. And those are the direct fires. Those are the regions and the wineries that have actually been burned, 1%. But smoke tank is starting to take its impact on a lot of the other wineries in the area that has been spared from the initial fire, but the smoke is coming in. And they're saying it's something that's part of a bigger problem with the heat and uh, the uh, lack of rain. Last year was the hottest and driest year on record, and they are afraid that it's going to continue to be a problem. So this year is just uh, one, and they're afraid that in some of this won't come up in the future. They are concerned about future problems and all that with the fires. If they have smoke paint and they dropped a crop this year, that doesn't mean that it's going to affect them next year or the year after. Since smoke gets on the grapes and is on the skin, then next year the crop's not going to be affected because it's just in the air. So that's going to be able to help save the the fact that uh, the the wineries will be able to continue on next year without major problems, unless there's more fire, of course. Uh, they are going sustainable, a lot of the wineries, uh, being carbon neutral, sustainable. And they're saying that um, if they can do it, then you know the rest of the country and everybody else can do it. They're, they're concerned about the, the heat and everything. So a lot of them are being dumped. A lot of them are being going you know, down the drain because of smoke, which brings me to California. There are growers in California that are suing because of the fact that they have their crops and they are being told that these crops are affected by smoke taint and they're suing to have the contracts honored basically and the wineries that have done the contracts that have signed the contract are saying well if we buy them it's not going to do us any good so it's an ongoing thing. So it's, it's passing around the system. And last I read, the California Supreme Court is scheduled to hear it. What's going to happen from there, I don't know. And as long as these grapes sit around, it's not going to do much good anyway. They're going to end up being less value as it goes on. So smoke tank, it's, it's, it's an issue. It, without question, it's a serious issue. Okay, let's uh, go on to the next one here. And this a uh, couple of things. Okay, bubbly, the uh, champagne. We've talked about champagne. We've talked about Prosecco. We've talked about Cava. We've talked about all the different champagnes around the world and all the different types. But what's what's some of the top-rated American sparkling wines. We don't mention that too much, and 
there are some really good ones coming out of the United States. It's not just something that they do overseas and their Proseccos and all that. And these are reasonably priced. So let's go through a list of some 12 top-rated American sparkling wines here and tell you, make a note because some of these are reasonably priced and are very good. Transburg. Oh, my engineer just brought me a wine. Oh, this looks interesting. Toscana. So we take a break from the sparkling wine. Let me tell you about this. Toscana is uh, uh, Indica's, Indica Zone Geographica Tipica, Tipica, however it's pronounced. It is a 2016 Sangiovese uh, Caparzo. Parzo. So it's from the Tuscan region. It's Caparzo, I'm sure is the name of the winery. On the back it says Caparzo 2016 uh, Toscana Sangiovese. Product of Italy, red wine. Uh, let me read this. It says a new Sangiovese IGT wine. IGT meaning I don't know. Made by Elisabetta uh, Gimodi, Angelini's winemaker, owner of three Tuscan estates, Caprenzo, Borgo, uh, Scopetti, and Doga del uh, Cavol. The front label features Elisabetta's family crest where the three roses on the shield represent her three estates. A delicious trifecta of intensely fruity, spicy, blackberry, wild strawberry, vanilla scents, and flavors. Great with grilled red meats, pasta with tomato or meat sauce, hearty soups, stews, and mature cheeses. And we, I am going to have a bowl of spaghetti when I finish the show tonight, so this will accompany that. Uh, 13.5 ABV. Uh, nope, nothing else on it that's except for the government warning. This is a screw cap, just to let you know. Not that that makes any difference because I think it's made to be drank reasonably soon anyway, so screw caps aren't going to age. And oh, very nice aroma. I just poured some more into the glass and I'm picking up a very nice aroma. Those dark fruits there, plum, blackberry, raspberry. I'm not picking up, it said strawberry there, but I'm not picking up any strawberry. Did it say strawberry? Yeah, strawberry. It says wild strawberry, so maybe that's different than domesticated strawberry. But I'm not picking up any strawberry. Hmm. Definite, definite uh, blackberry, though. I'm getting very good blackberry. And oh, that is very nice. Very nice. It's not real tannic, uh, not real acidic either. It really is very, very light and fruity. A very nice San Giovese, uh, 2016, I'd say, yeah, 2016. And it's, uh, I, it's 
I'm still picking up some of the dark fruit. I'm still not getting any strawberry in it, though. Uh, and vanilla says vanilla scents. I, I'm, I'm not getting any vanillas. I just hmm. blackberry is predominant. I feel in this one, but very nice. Uh, Sangiovese tends to be a little bit lighter. This one is a little bit lighter, but a very nice wine uh, color to it. A little purplish red color to it. Very nice. A Caparzo. C-A-P-A-R-Z-O. Caparzo. Uh, 2016 San Juvisa. Get a chance. Grab one. I mean, this is this is going to go great with the spaghetti tonight. Looking forward to this with the spaghetti. Looking forward to it happening during the show. Okay. Champagnes. Schramsburg uh, 2010 Reserve Sparkling in the North Coast. This is up north of Napa. I've been to this winery. It's really a cool winery. Uh, extraordinary wine, both mouth-filling and texture and intricate in flavor. Light amber color. Apricot aromas with enticing ginger and raspberry nuances on the palate. It grew richer and deeper with every taste. It is editor's choice of uh, all these. This is out of Wine Enthusiast. Uh, this article out of Wine Enthusiast. So editor's choice. 96 points. And it costs $120. Next one. Iron Horse 2014 Classic Vintage Brute Estate Bottled Sparkling. From Green Valley. $45.94 points. Flavors of apple skin and lemon. Uh, high-toned acidity and restrained richness. Restrained. That means that you don't really taste it a lot. Why do you say restrained? Uh, winery flagship represents, or it presents as a dry textured with finesse. Next one, Letitia 2016 Brut Rosé Method Champagne's Arroyo Grande Valley. 94 points, $39. Reasonably priced there for a good champagne. A vibrant shade of orange pink and full of bubbles in the glass. The sparkling rosé is delicious and approachable from start to finish. Approachable. Aromas of rose, petal, strawberry, and chalk lead into the palate with persistent Mousse that delivers bright flavors of watermelon, tangerine spray, and lemon. Another editor's choice. This is approachable. And the next one, Rocco 2016 RMS Brute. This is from Willamette Valley, $65.94 points. Uh, It's a blend of 67% Pinot Noir, 33% Chardonnay. And it was given 30 months in Tiraj prior to bottling, so it should be picking up a lot of openness. Uh, A winemaker hits a perfect chord here, mixed yellow fruits, sidelighted with coconut and toast, uh, fine bubbles, and uh, nice acidity. So drink now or up until 2025, so it's an ageable one. Domaine Chandon. 
non-vintage Atoll Rosé Sparkling. It's from Canaris, $55.93 points. Uh, made with Chardonnay, Pinot Noir, Pinot Noir. Uh, Pinot Noir. It's, it's the classic grapes that are used in the Champagne region of France here. Beautiful salmon hue. Uh, it's dry, lingering, lemon peel, oyster shell, unripe strawberry uh, flavors. Why would you pop an unripe strawberry in your mouth to begin with? Well, okay. Soder, 2014 Mineral Springs Brut Rosé. This is Yamhill Carlton, $65.93 points. Pinot Noir and a little bit of Chardonnay to end a 9% Chardonnay. Strawberry shortcake, almond croissant, splash of orange, stand out among the rainbow of delicious flavors. Uh, it's not too tart. It's dry. Uh, and Bubby should drink well for another decade. And another editor's choice for you here. Uh, and, <laughs> um, I'm skipping all of some of these silly descriptions here because I personally think a lot of them are silly. Sparkling Point 2014 Blanc de Blanc Method Champagne, North Fork of Long Island, 91 points, $44. Uh, Zesty Chardonnay, uh, mix of ripe yellow apple, crushed stone, and marzipan on the nose. Tiny yet persistent bubbles, uh, flavors of salt and lemon zest with toast and apple. So, uh, you know, there you go, the North Fork. Boundary Breaks 2017, number 356, Bubbly Dry Riesling. Bubbly Dry Riesling. Finger Lakes, $20 only. 90 points. This lightly effervescent Riesling boasts bright tones of lime peel, white plum skin, crushed stone, and white flowers. White plum. (laughs) There's plumpness to the palate with a line of acidity leading to a crisp, dry finish. Uh, This is perfectly enjoyable on its own as an aperitif. Well, that would be fun. Gloria Ferrar, non-vintage Sonoma, Brut Method Champagnat, Canaris, $22.90 points. A rich, exuberant nose of apple and sea spray leads to a stilly palate built up by nervy, focused acidity. Nervy acidity. We all look for that nervy acidity. Accents of oyster shell and earth permeate the mid-palate. It's a Pinot Noir-based uh, champagne or sparkling wine. Next one, Malby Non-Venti. Talisman Traditional Method Brut. This is from La Luna Peninsula. $39.90 points. 50% Pinot Noir, 35% Chardonnay, and 15% Vignon. Uh, it employs a 34% Solora Reserve to yield aromas of warm dough, salted peanut, and crusty bread. Uh, fine bubbles, well-placed acidity, and firm structure. Uh, flavors of pear, apple, and Fresh baked bread with a squeeze of lemon. 
Next one, Lieb 2016 Estate Sparkling Rosé. This is from the North Fork of Long Island, $30, 90 points. A blend of 80% Pinot Noir, 20% Chardonnay, 16 months on its lees. Wow, a long time. Wealth of Aromas, Toasted Broche, Almond, Lemon Cream, White Raspberry Mousse, Small Gentle Bubbles, Framed a creamy, savory palate with red berry flavor and a lingering aftertaste. That sounds good. And let's see the next one here. And the last one is Underwood 2018 The Bubbles out of Oregon. $15 is all, 90 points. From the Union Wine Company, this value bubbly is 40% Pinot Gris. 32% 32% Pinot Noir, and 28% Chardonnay. Aromas of bubblegum, cherry, and lemon drop candy. Carry the nose with fruit-driven palate, crisp and balanced. And uh, it says it raises the bar for the entire region. Best Buy by wine enthusiast. So there are some local, I say local, domestic Chardonnays are say this right, Ron, domestic bubblies that and sparkling wines that you can check out. Some of those are reasonably priced, too, so that's that's a good deal there. My sister sent me a quick note email a couple weeks ago about a train, wine train that runs in Missouri. And she said it was down in the boot, down in the bottom southeast Missouri. Tried to look it up. Didn't find much of anything, I, I'm sad to say. Uh, Herman Wine Trail and uh, Herman Trolley and bank rental, bike rentals. <clears throat> Excuse me. And that's about all I found. Uh, Herman, Missouri wine train trips and tours and all that, but Herman, Missouri wine train schedule. I, I just, I'm, I'm getting a whole bunch of stuff. But I'm not getting a wine train. They get the Herman trolley. Tells about Herman, Missouri. Uh, but I did find in Missouri the on the Missouri wine homepage, Missouri wine country. This is now boarding. It says Missouri wine country is calling. Are you listening? It's a great time to take a trip to visit new wineries and longtime favorites. And have you considered taking the train to add fun to your adventure? Amtrak's Missouri River Runner travels from Kansas City to St. Louis daily with stops all along the way. With more than 125 wineries in the state, there are lots of options for fun-filled trips on the train. The Missouri River Runner stops at these stations four times a day, two eastbound and two westbound. Start in Kansas City, go to Independence, Missouri, Lee's Summit, Warrensburg, Sedalia, Jefferson City, Herman, Washington, Missouri, Kirkwood, and then St. Louis. That's basically right along the Missouri River area there. That goes travel down. So this once you've arrived at your destination, next 
stages the adventure. You can walk, bike, there's shuttles, there's trolleys. Each offers a combination of wineries, restaurants, shops, and more. So you'll find listings and an interactive map at MissouriWine.org. And it says you'll find the largest concentration of wineries near Kansas City, Herman, and Washington stops. So um, Missouri Wine Train. And when she mentioned this Missouri Wine Train, I thought, wow, I didn't, didn't know about it. But it, it's basically just Amtrak going back and forth. And you get off and you explore the areas that you are in, which is a cool way to do it. I mean, if you've never ridden on a train, then you really got to do it because trains are really fun. Don't plan on traveling around the country on a train. And the reason I say that is because trains are notoriously bad about timing. Notoriously bad. And in fact, they really do suck on timing. But I mean, if you're trying to make a connection, it's not like an airport where you can run across the airport and jump on the next one and they'll hold it for you for a couple of minutes because you just landed on a train. You can be on the train and be two or three hours late to your destination to catch a train for the next one. So if you're going to take a train, allow time to do it. But I'll tell you what, I, I love train rides. They just, they're really a lot of fun. So if you're looking at something to do, jump on a train. And that being said, Here's a list of eight of America's wine trains. Now, these are actually wine trains. Uh, these are go through wine countries and stuff like that and actually stop at it. And so the first one, come on, scroll down for me now here. Okay, there you go. Uh, train rides are fun. Just like I said, these these are wine trains. Adriania. Uh, Adriandac Scenic Beer and Wine Train out of Utica, New York. It's a three-hour ride that departs from Utica with live music, light bites, and beautiful views of rivers, wildlife, and mountains. Passionists receive a commemorative glass to sample a rotating selection of local beer and wine available for purchase. First-class passengers are served an enhanced selection of gourmet appetizers. The Andreaniac Scenic Beer and Wine Train chugs along from spring through fall. I think I would spring for the first-class passenger on that. I mean, it's just it's a three-hour ride. What the heck? You know, pay the little extra money and get yourself some selected, enhanced select of gourmet appetizers on the train. Uh, also, you know, good time to do a book it in the fall. Start seeing the colors change and all that up and. Upper New York like that, it'd be gorgeous. Next one, Great Smoky Mountain Railroad Uncorked Train. This is out of Brayson City, North Carolina. The Great Smoky Mountain Railroad Uncorked Train leaves Bryson, I guess it's Bryson, B-R-Y-S-O-N, Bryson City on select dates throughout the year. There are two routes. One offers views of the Nantahala Gorge, while the other highlights the countryside along the uh, Tuckasegee Tukas, River. Passengers ride in style in cars with a private attendant and elegant seating. Tickets include a souvenir stemless glass and a four-course meal with wine pairings from local wineries. 
and a narrator shares information about each pour. That would be good, too. There's just two wonderful ones. I have no idea what the costs are. You can check those out yourself. But uh, well, let me, just for fun, let me ch- click on this. They do have this highlighted here for the Great Smoky Mountain Railroad. Great Smoky Mountain Railroad. And, oh, they have all sorts of stuff here on that. But I don't know if they have the price. I'm sure they do somewhere. Packages, uh, season pass, rafting. Oh, they have all sorts of stuff, including Tarzan train, rail and trail, beer tasting at the station, locomotive cab, private caboose party. There's all sorts of things on there. So I'm sure any of these you can check on that. But Great Smoky Mountain Railroad Uncorked. Next one, Mount Hood Railroad, Hood River, Oregon. Mount Hood Railroad departs from historic Hood River Depot, about 60 miles east of Portland. Passengers can enjoy several wine-related adventures like Parkdale Excursions, which runs from May to October, as it travels through trees, orchards, and vineyards. First-class wine car passengers can enjoy light appetizers and a tasting of two reds and two whites from MountHoodWinery.com, owned by a family that farmed in the Hood Valley, Hood River Valley for five generations. Again, I think I would spring for the first class simply because, hey, you're only going to do it the once and get the full benefit of it. Next one is the Mountain Explorer Dinner Train out of Elkins, West Virginia. John Denver saying that West Virginia is almost heaven, and that seems quite plausible when riding the Mountain Explorer Dinner Train, which runs from June through September. Guests who upgrade to the luxurious parlor car can enjoy a four-course meal and use their complimentary glass to sample a free pour from local purveyors like Lambert's Winery. The four-hour round trip departs from historic Elkin and meanders through scenic West Virginia backcountry to the stunning high falls of Cheat. Again, Upgrade. It says here, you know, the guests who upgrade to the luxurious parlor car can enjoy a four-course meal. Oh, gosh, that sounds great. So, the Mountain Explorer Dinner Train out of Elkins, West Virginia. Next one, you've all heard of this, Napa Valley Wine Train. Arguably, there is no better known wine region in the country than Napa Valley, and the Napa Valley Wine Train offers multiple options to sample the region's best bottlings year-round. Enjoy gourmet dining experiences or let the train be your designated driver for half or full day tours to local wineries. There is a, a dining car you can go on, but a lot of people just jump on it just to get a ride around Around wine country. The experience comes with a multi-course luncheon and a private luxury shuttle to and from wineries. Selected stops include Gertz Hills Estate, Castillo de Amorosa, and Charles Crook. And I just read something where the 
train is trying to add a couple more stops to it, uh, add more wineries to it instead of just those three. So that may be coming up there too. Uh, Napa wine train is always the classic one that everybody thinks about. And it's changed hands a few times and they fixed up their cars and they put a lot of money into it and all that. So it's even better now than it has been in the past. If you, if you haven't been lately, then I'm sure it's changed a lot. Okay, this one is going to be fun. Senoquami, S-N-O-Q-U-A-L-M-I-E. Snoqualmie. Snoqualmie wine train out of Snoqualmie, Washington. Only a half hour from Seattle. Snoqualmie is packed with the kind of small town charm that makes it feel a world away. The Sonoquali wine train departs from a circa 1890 depot on select dates from spring to fall. The antique train winds through the picturesque Sonoquali Valley and stops to take in landmarks like the stunning Sonoquali Falls. Oh, wait a minute. Yeah, Sonoquali. Not me, it's a me. Sonoquali, M-I-E, not N-I-E. A rotating selection of bottles allows passengers to approach the diversity of Washington wines via sips from boutique wineries like Sigilo Cellars and Convergence Zone Cellars in Mount C, our side, winery, alongside Light Bites, our appetizers. That sounds like fun, too. All these sound like fun. What am I talking about? Next one, Wine on the Rails. Nashville. Bet y'all didn't know there was one in Nashville, did you? Wine on the Rails. Wine on the Rails beckons everyone aboard a restored 1950s train in Nashville and makes its way to the Delmonico Winery in Baxter, Tennessee. Passengers who are encouraged to dress in period costume receive a commemorative glass to use while they enjoy live music and wine tastings. Period. 1950s, I guess, period. Yeah, I think that's what we're talking about. Period costume, 1950. A lot of people still have period costumes from the 50s in their closet. Once they arrive at Delmonico's, there's more live music, dancing, wine tasting, and the chance to stroll through the vineyard. The winery produces traditional bottlings like Cabernet Sauvignon, Merlot, and Chardonnay, along with interesting creations like peach and blackberry wines. Bottles are also available for sale for passengers who want to savor a glass on their trip home. I guess you can't get a glass, so you got to buy a bottle and then drink it back. Um, didn't say how long the ride is. I'm sure the website might. Wine on the Rails, if you want to check out, out of Nashville. And then the last one is Wine Train Colorado. Alamosa, Colorado. Colorado is home to America's highest elevation Appalachian and more than 150 wineries. To sample some of what the area has to offer, climb aboard the Rio Grande Scenic Railroad Colorado Wine Train. That is the full name, by the way, Rio Grande Scenic Railroad Colorado Wine Train. This scenic ride departs from Alamosa and rolls to the Southern Rockies, where passengers may spot black bear, deer, or large herds of elk. You may, you may not. 
Each ride includes a three-course light menu with wine pairings from local winery, uh, from the local winery Cottonwood Cellars. The train is in service from late June through December, as long as it doesn't get snowed down. So, there you go. Some some wine trains that are available throughout the country, specific wines, and the one in Missouri that I was telling you about that actually stops so you can cruise around to the winery. You just rent yourself a bike or something go that way. So, uh, I'll try to put this on the Facebook yeah. now. I should be able to. I've I'll been put on these the. On uh, I've been on the Great Smoky Mountains Railroad uh, many years ago uh, on the Nanahala Gorge. Uh, yeah, I was on the Nanahala Gorge uh, excursion trip, uh, which was, oh, my God, the, the scenery is just beautiful going through the Smoky Mountains like that. But uh, oh. been to Bryson City and all that. Um, the uncorked wine experience is $125, and it looks like it runs oh. year-round because it says runs February 14th through February 13th. So you leave on the 14th, well, that pretty much... <laughs> and they bring you back the day before. <laughs> yes, yeah. no, pretty much all year. Yeah, it's a beautiful yeah, country yeah. up there. Absolutely gorgeous oh, country. Mountains, yeah, but uh, train ride is just a, just amazing. Just to go through the gorge and the bridges and just the scenery, just amazing. So, uh, yeah, well, that's like the one out in. Uh, Colorado too. I'm sure you will get the same type of experience going through the mountains and uh, all that and the Colorado train. Um, yeah, absolutely. Actually, all of them, pretty much. I mean, like Mount Hood, the Hood River, Oregon, and uh, what's the the Utica, New York? That one. So yeah, I just but you've been on that one then. Wow, that's I've been cool. On, on yeah. a- it's a, it's a good little trip. Yeah, it's not bad. Very nice. You remember how how long it was? Uh, I don't recall. Uh, uh, it was only it was like forty, uh, like four and a half hours, maybe. Yeah. Um, well, that's reasonable. Yeah. Yeah, to, yeah, just a round trip. I mean, uh, you go leave Bryson City, you go go out to the gorges, like forty something miles, I think, and then you go back. Uh, to Bryson City and, and there you go. So and you get an hour I don't know, hour or something uh layover at the uh whatever Nanahala uh center thing is there and then uh, you, you you come back and uh yeah it's it's kind of a neat little little trip. Yeah well, it says here on this that they offer two routes. Did you do the uh Nantahala obviously Nantahala Gorge and they said another one goes along the country uh, Tuskegee River. So you did the Nanahela. Yeah, I uh, remember doing two of them, but I don't know which one, uh, which one it was. Uh, we went, God, I can't remember what that, uh, some kind of big historic bridge out there. I forgot what it was, but we did two uh, two yeah. train rides on it um, different times. But I know, I remember Nanahela Gorge, and then the other one was uh, like Fontana or something. Um, I don't remember. Oh, what maybe it was, you did both but, uh, trains. Yeah, uh, I, I w- really like to do this uncorked one, though. That sounds really good. That <laughs> does, yeah. That, that, $125. Uh, that's, let's see, four. It says uh, four, four, four and a half hours. Meal, but, and, yeah. There you go. 
four course meal. I mean, you know, you know, you're getting yourself a nice meal, four course meal. You're getting wines Mm -hmm. with it. They're trained right. I mean, that's a reasonable price. That's not out of question there. 125. That's not bad at all. No, it isn't. You know, and not not at all. You know, he's, you know, the with the meal and everything involved with it. That's that's a really nice price. So yeah, that sounds like fun. Another one's I I really caught my eye too was the uh, Hood River, Oregon one. That that seemed like fun. Well, then the West Virginian and all of them. I mean, you know. Down to it. I will put this on Facebook. The just the uh, this is the basic information, the, the name of the train, and then uh, where it's out of. So if anybody wants to check out further information on it, you can do that. So I'll put that on Facebook. But cool, cool thing. I mean, you know, I, I never would thought that there'd be a bunch of them. Everybody knows of the Napa train, but you don't think of any of the others around and uh, so good good okay let's see well thanks for sharing that that's good that we had a first time report on one of them there all right Uh, (laughs) okay this is Uh, oh, quick one, quick little thing here. We're always hearing about different labels and stuff on wines and stuff. There is a difference between natural, organic, biodynamic, and sustainability. And this little article when it comes to wine, these four terms is not interchangeable. Natural is but a hair up from meaningless. All right. So if you see a wine label natural, that's trying to catch your eye, but it really doesn't mean much. To produce wine organically or biodynamically, is to think of the health of your vineyard, your wine, and the consumer all the way through. Sustainability is a broad and global comprehensive concept that extends its reach beyond vineyard, wine, and consumer into the future, if you will. Says the three apart from the so-called sugar-growing winemaking is that they are certifiable. And this is the key to it. Meeting the needs of the present without compromising the ability of future generations to meet their needs is basically sustainable. That's what they mean. So certified sustainable constitutes a peer-driven, scientifically sound approach for integrating sustainable practices and technologies into standards that enable growers and vendors to meet societal and marketing expectations. In other words, keep it clean, keep it good, keep it in the realm of not destroying anything while you're doing it. To be certified sustainable, a business must apply multiple activities within a set of international and measurable standards. 
It is defined as through annual third-party audits, Certified Sustainable provides independent verification of stringent requirements that ensure key sustainability areas such as soil health, water, and energy, habitat, human resources, and more are addressed. Certified vineyards and wineries must also measure resources and performance and improve year after year. So quite a quite a standard to live up to. Uh, if you see sustainable on the wine label, I that's I think that's going to carry more more power than just you know organic. Uh, I mean, sure, it's great to be organic, but isn't a vineyard basically organic anyway? I mean, there's not you know we do a little bit of chemicals on it, but it's most of them try to cut back. Most vineyards try to cut back on chemicals as much as they possibly can. Uh, Certified Sustainable has been a CSWA third-party certification program since 2010, so it's only 10 years old. Certification audits look to international business standards and practices, including social responsibility or fair trade, environmental concerns, biodiversity, water, and waste disposal, and social benefits to employees, medical care, sanitary facilities at work, etc. In other words, the sustainable concept embraces organic and biodynamic methods, low environmental impact, production and packaging, and even how employees are treated. So if you're going to look for something that really might mean something, look for a wine that is marked certified sustainable, because that seems to be uh, a very good standard to, to be operating a winery with. Uh, so, okay, let me uh, go on to one other thing before I quit and tell you about this next one. And This is, I, I've been talking about tariffs and the possibility of a 100% tariff on wine, which is going to affect everybody that drinks wine, that works in the wine industry, that imports wine, that does anything with wine. Uh, 100% tariff on anything coming from the EU, and that's not just wine, but spirits also. And we were concerned and wondering if a 100% tariff was going to be dropped into place. And this is something that everybody was holding their breath on. And everybody was writing their congressmen and everyone was writing their uh, senators and they were uh, contacting representatives and all sorts of organizations were doing a grassroots blitz to try to stop this 100% tariff. Well, a sigh of relief. For now, on February 14th, last Friday, the Office of the United States Trade Representative announced that tariffs on many European wines and spirits will remain in place, which is the 25% tariff, which not thrilled, but, you know, it's better than 100. This will remain in place for another 180 days when the agency is going to revisit the situation. In other words, they've reached a 
official pause, if you will, in the, in the roller coaster ride for tariffs. For the drinks industry, the status quo is still the same. Steel wine under 14% ABV from France, Germany, Spain, and the United Kingdom will remain subject to the 25% tariffs that have been in place since October 18, 2019. That also includes single malt scotch, some Irish whiskeys, and some liqueurs and cordials from Germany, Ireland, Italy, Spain, and the United Kingdom. Wines from the EU countries were spared. Sparkling wines and wines over 14% ABV were spared. And existing tariff rates weren't increased to the 100% rate that was proposed last December. So we can take a big sigh of relief because it's not going to happen for another 120 days if they do it at all. Now, 120 days is our 100. Yeah, really. Thank you. Thank you. 180 days. I said 180 days. That's six months. Okay. So it's better. And at least six months gives a better chance to blitz them again with more information and more stuff and get them to stop it and show them the problems that it could create. The last 120 days, there's been uh, just round of tariffs, first round of tariffs and everything. And it's, I told you, it started a support, a grassroots support. They said nothing like this has happened since uh, the prohibition 90 years ago when that was finally repealed. Uh, the U.S. Wine Trade Alliance Facebook page group uh, has 5,800 members, and they said almost all of them sent notes out to congressmen. 25,000 messages posted to the USTR during the open call for comment. 30,000 letters were sent to official, uh, elected officials. And it, it just, it, they flooded them with the fact that it was just not a good idea. The uh, industry did as well as can be expected in such a short period of time. And so therefore it postponed the tariffs for 180 days. It's uh, impact of 25% tariff is still working its way through the system. I and mean, this is not a good thing, 25% tariff on everything. A lot of the businesses, the business end of the wine industry absorbed that 25% tariff through the holidays. Uh, They did it simply because they didn't want to raise prices right before the holidays and kept it within the range that it was. And now they see that the 25% is not going away, but it's not going to be 100%. So you'll probably see some slight rise in prices from Europe, but not as bad as it was going to be. Um, Many believe the industry will be better prepared throughout the ongoing negotiations and announcements. So uh, they're saying we will win and we'll do it together as one and we'll pull this out and get uh, get this stopped so that we won't have have 100% tariff on our wines, which, yeah, yay, good thing there. So that's it. So that's what's 
that's what's happening in the the wine world this week. I'm glad those tariffs are stopped, though. That's, you know, not stopped, but postponed. Because you'll start seeing start seeing costs jumping up. Hmm. So, uh, yep. Um, God, there was something else. I, uh, oh, I looked up IGT. Or not, not IGT. Yeah, IGT. Uh, that's a um, the Italian term on your wine, I think. Right. And uh, I let's see if I can get this on the air. How to pronounce it? Hello, Google. Indicazione geografica tipica. Yeah, hold on just a second. Okay. Turn that up a little bit. <laughs> Indicazione geografica tipica. Basically, it means uh, and. Basically, it oh, means. I just lost you. Did you? Am I still there? Yeah. Yeah, I'm here okay. now. Okay, I can uh, hear you. Typical geographical indication, whatever that is. That's what uh, it translates to on according to Google. So, oh. Wow. Like, like, that was a big help. like an AVA. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's what it sounds like. Yeah. yeah. I, yeah. It sounds like an AVA. Yeah, just what we call AVA's American Viticulture. That's, you know, that's Italian on there. So, yeah. Good. Good. Oh. Uh, yeah. So we have uh, nobody, no questions. If nothing uh, happened in there, and I will close that part out. Um, all right. I guess we can. Uh, what time is it? Eight uh, eight oh one something. We'll uh, close the show for this oh, week, oh, and we will. Return. Oh, oh, wait, wait, wait. wait. Last Tuesday, I don't know if anybody's reading our Facebook page, but it was Drink Wine Day. Yes. And uh, Mike put a post up there. Thank you, by the way, Mike. Mike put a post up that it was Drink Wine Day last Tuesday. So I hope everybody did drink wine last Tuesday. And I'm getting a, a lot of wineries uh, are putting stuff that why do we have to make it Drink Wine Day? Let's make it Drink Wine Week or even Drink Wine Month. So uh drink wine the bottom line yep uh, why just limited to a month <laughs> 2020 yeah why limit to a month drink yeah 2020 year. is drink wine here <laughs> there you go right. you know buy some sonoma wines and help them through the fires buy some australian wines help them through the fires you know buy mm-hmm. some foreign wines for the prices to go up there's all sorts of reasons so uh, yeah Support yeah that, Definitely, it's a good cause. Um, Drink yeah, we will uh, exactly, absolutely. Uh, we'll close the show for uh, this week. It is uh, Thursday, February twentieth. Uh, we'll be back next Thursday, the twenty seventh of February, and uh, we'll be uh, live again on Facebook and on uh, Blog Talk Radio. And we thank you for tuning in uh, on the archives or live, however you did it tonight. And we do appreciate it. So uh, be safe and uh, enjoy your wine. And um, we'll see you all next time. Thank you. Thank you all very much. Be safe. See you next week. This concludes tonight's broadcast of All About Wine with your host, Ron. For show information, links to All About Wine on Twitter and Facebook, or to be a guest on the show, visit the show website at www.allaboutwinebtr.com. Archive shows are available for download on iTunes or on our show page at blogtalkradio.com forward slash all about wine. Thank you for listening. 
drink responsibly, and we'll see you next time on All About Wine. Okay. That was it. Good.